You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today we're talking with Scott Looney, the head of school at Hawken. Scott is also the founder of the Mastery Transcript Consortium, better known as MTC. It's 150 independent schools working together to change the high school system of assessment, crediting, and transcripting. MTC has a super exciting announcement that in 2020, the Mastery School of Hawken will open and be run and operated by Hawken School and is conjoined in some programmatic ways to Hawken's current upper school. The two high school campuses will be 12 miles apart and will have very different programs, but will share some co-curricular programming. The Mastery School of Hawken will use the Mastery Transcript crediting system, while Hawken's other high school will stay with a more traditional assessment and grading model. The Mastery School is organized around three things, students solving real-world problems, mastery and apprentice-style instruction, and mastery crediting. Let's listen in as Emily and Scott talk about building the ideal high school, exploring new grading systems, collaborative teams, and student-led projects, all that will be taking place at the Mastery School. We just announced that we're in 2020, we're going to open a second high school, a new high school called the Mastery School of Hawken. Um, and Hawken is a preschool through grade 12 uh, independent school in Cleveland. We're the largest private school in Ohio, about 1,400 kids. Um, and uh, we're up opening a second high school. So we already have an existing upper school that's out in the suburbs, and we're now off opening a second high school that will be in the city of Cleveland in an area called University Circle, which is um, right at the intersection of a bunch of the civic organizations like the Cleveland Clinic and the University Hospitals, Case Western Reserve, museums, and a neighborhood called Glenville. Um, and Glenville is one of the uh, most economically distressed neighborhoods in the state of Ohio. Um, so it's a really fascinating place to launch a high school. So, and, uh, and in fact, the MTC was a side effect of the effort to launch this high school. For a long time, we were calling it a lab school. Now it has a name. Um, but on our road, Doris Corda, who is now the um, CEO of the Corda Institute for Teaching, she's left Hawken and launched her own 501c3. Um, yeah, she was the associate head at Hawken. And so she and I have been partners in crime for almost a decade now. And so she and I wanted to create, you know, more of more real world um, oriented uh, courses and she develops a course here called entrepreneurship, which is uh, we our first macro course. It's a it's a four four block um, interdisciplinary multi credit course where the kids literally are apprenticed to start up businesses and um, and meanwhile we teach them a whole bunch of other things along the way. Doris developed that and it became pretty robust and very quickly other schools wanted to learn from her and her methods and and she started working workshops and then the next thing you know it her that whole thing take off and Doris uh, you know followed her true calling and and, and kind of went in that direction. That being said, we still work closely together. Um, I see her once a week. She's helping us build the mastery school. Um, but Doris and I were, and a few others at Hawken, were working on this idea of building the idea high school. Like we now that we know more about the way humans and teenagers learn, what would what should high school look like? And and as we started to go down this road, it became very clear that that there were some structures in the way. There were some just sort of historical structures, and the, and ultimately we looked at and. The idea of the transcript, you know, the idea that everybody should learn at the same pace and finish at the same time is a terrible idea. Um, Carnegie. I know. Whoever, would have, whoever thought of that decades ago. 
Yeah, no, it's you know, there's no evidence in the world that everybody can or should learn at the same pace. Um, the second is letter grading, um, which was is demonstrably a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea when it was launched in by Mount Holyoke in 1896. But even if you liked it, it was designed to be a five-point scale. That scale has been compressed at two points um, uh, in most high schools. Um, and, and then the last is the idea that the best way to represent a student is by showing what courses they took, um, especially since they're being encouraged pretty much to take all the same courses. So so that was what launched the MTC. So basically, took a little break on building the lab school. We started the effort of building the lab school in 2014. Uh, I founded and launched the Mastery Transcript in 2016. Um, and now that that's in the capable hands of Stacey Caldwell and her kind of 10-person team and has you know, 280 schools out there working together, uh, I can go back to just being the head of Hawken and the, the chair of the MTC board. And so... It, but we had a precipitating event. We we knew we wanted to be in that area of Cleveland, and then a very small little school called the Monster High School went out of business. Um, and so we stepped in, and um, there were other competitors for the property, so we stepped in and bought their campus. And so uh, the, the lab school was off and running um, for reasons that are probably obvious. Uh, we've named it the Mastery School of Hawken because it's based on the idea that every student per, should should learn on their own time scale, but they should persist to mastery. They shouldn't stop until they've actually mastered the learning objective, whatever that is. And the learning objective has another name. It's called the mastery credit. So okay. so this will be a high school in the city where everything is organized around rural problem solving. So the kids, within walking distance of this location are over 200 nonprofits. Um, and nonprofits have a couple things in common. One is they're trying to solve a human problem, um, and the other is they don't have enough money. So if you show up with right. a group of reasonably motivated high school kids, um, it's amazing what they'll let those kids work on. Um, so yeah, and are they co-creating what the kids are working on? Yes, alongside of them. Yeah, and it's always authentic. So it's uh, every year, even if we use the same partners institutions they're going to have different problems because it's not it's not it's not made up work it's not case studies it's this is a real problem we could use some some kids to dive into and help us solve and and then using Doris's methods the kids start with you know relatively simple problems when they're freshmen and by the end of their freshman year they're doing pretty complicated problems and by the time they're seniors they're going to be doing super um deep and relatively independent, you know, deep dive constructivist problem solving. And so um, along the way, there's little to no direct instruction. So one of the other reasons we call it the mastery school is that the teachers are really guides and coaches, um, but they're also, they also have some kind of content expertise because to, to, you know, feed the kids some Mm -hmm. knowledge as they need it. And, um, but the cool thing about it is because this is the walking distance of, of the Cleveland Clinic, the VA Hospital, the, natu- the Cleveland Museum of Art, the uh, Cleveland Natural History Museum, the Western Reserve Historical Society, the, the Cleveland um, uh, Site Center, um, you know, the Gestalt Institute, the, all these organizations, um, the other teacher oftentimes is a real-world expert, somebody who's willing to volunteer your time. It, in some ways, it has a little bit of 
of uh, alignment with NuView's model at, um, in Cambridge. I don't know if you know them. Oh, um, yes, in Cambridge. Yeah, yep. and they're expanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now NuView does theirs in two-week increments. Ours are, are, are vary from long projects to small, depending on the learning objective. But, you know, everything's co-taught between a Hawken teacher, um, probably two Hawken teachers plus a real-world expert, um, and the kids are largely – um, learning in, you know, collaborative teams. Um, that's one part of the program. The second part of the program is this thing we're calling Pathways, which are individually generated student projects where the kids have a curiosity or a need to learn something, and they, they co-create a project with um, a faculty member, um, and, you know, they line up these projects in a, some kind of sequential order, and then they move through them at a pace that makes sense. And the and the project schedule, the playlist, can be adjusted uh, according to you know their need to go deeper or their need to, but every single pro- project for it to be approved has to be attached to a master credit. So mm-hmm. um, there has to be at least one, hopefully multiple, potential master credits earned um, b- by the successful completion of the project. Um, and are students getting that list, you know, the list of masteries, and then they're saying, oh, "This is how I'm going to design yeah. for this year, my year of learning." What enables it is 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 the idea that all people who read transcripts now probably do it from from a computer. So the one page summary of your transcript is really just the home page of a deep web website that has a ton of data attached to it. And that data are artifacts, are the actual work product that students uh, are producing and their teacher feedback. And it's organized into portfolios, and those portfolios are assessed for credit. Um, it, think about it as a Girl Scout or Boy Scout badge. So a credit that a school could put on their uh, option could be a credit in um, uh, uh, agility and ambiguity. So it could be an advanced credit, and so you have to demonstrate that you, and there's a written standard, and the student has to produce enough evidence, both teacher feedback and work product, submits it to a panel of two to three faculty who have authority to issue credit. If they all agree, it gets approved, and that credit goes on the mastery transcript. If not, it gets kicked back to the student with feedback. And so in our in our kind of pathways project, when a student creates a new project, they have to work with their advisor and say, I think if I'm successful with this project, I'll be able to produce substantial evidence towards my creative writing credit, my critical thinking credit, and my uh, data analysis credit. Okay, great. And then they start the project. Everything a student does is is somehow aligned with um, – uh, a learning objective and the learning objective are mastery credits. And so there are two kinds of mastery credits. One are foundational, meaning those are graduation requirements. You have to earn them all before you leave Hawken. And then a whole, a much larger universe called advanced credits. And those advanced credits are, range from relatively easy to earn before you graduate, where 80 or 90% of the kids might earn those credits, to very hard. Uh, maybe one kid every five years earns a certain kind of credit. So there's there's sort of rigorous credits to strive for. Um, but there's a way to but the the thing we're most excited about is that unlike traditional education where we're really measuring and rewarding a very narrow range of academic abilities and knowledge, um, in addition to those things, you can still produce a credit called algebraic reasoning, which would probably constitute what we typically think of as algebra two. You can also credit things like uh, integrity, leadership, teamwork. Um, my fantasy, my fantasy advanced mastery credit is sublimating your own ego for the greater good. Um, right. Yes. 
That is brilliant. We, yes, Tom, my colleague and I have, well, as you know, Tom, we've been working on this idea that how are we asking students to contribute and then how are we measuring that by way of, yeah, doing good. Yeah. And it's not about me. I'm not doing a service learning project, so then I can say I help this community. Right. I'm, I might be choosing a problem that affects me in my right. daily life. Right. And I'm helping Crystal for it and, yep. you know, so on and so forth. So the exactly. idea of contribution. Yep. Um, Exactly. Huge. Exactly. Yeah. And, I and that. you know, by and, and here's one of the radical parts of the mastery transcript is each individual school creates their own set of mastery credits. They're non-standard. Mm-hmm. Now there is a, an emphasis, and actually Tom has been helpful in us understanding this around potentially creating kind of quality networks, groups of schools that want to work together, actually create common credits, but we're not going to, the mastery transcript consortium itself is not going to mandate that. So if a, if a school district wants to have common mastery credits across all their high schools, fine. If a group of super progressive private schools want to get together and create a set of credits that they really value, fine. Um, but we're, we're not going to try to standardize what creative writing is across all schools because not only are kids non-standard, so are schools. And, and so... Um, we've been working with colleges. We have a number of um, colleges from very big and public to small and liberal arts and to community colleges on our advisory council who are helping us build this platform. And so far, the, the feedback's been really positive, really good. Um, and uh, anyway, so that's the MTC. The MTC, the mastery crediting system will be what we use to, to measure and assess the growth of the kids in our mastery school of Hawken. And the mastery school of Hawken is very intentionally being developed um, to be replicable in other schools, public, private, or parochial. And the, the idea is, you know, an independent school like ours is in a position to uh, manage and afford the first stage inefficiencies of a, of a, of a pilot. Um, but our hope, in addition to, you know, serving the kids here in Cleveland that we want to serve, is that we can get other schools to take pieces and parts or, or the model in its entirety and, and, and apply it in their own local context. So we're, everything we're building is open source. We're sharing with anybody who's interested. Um, and because we believe in this kind of learning and we think if we get it right and we're pretty hopeful we're going to get it right, um, that it'll have value beyond um, Hawken. The one thing we're asking schools to do, if they choose to use a mastery school of model, could be the mastery school of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District. It could be the mastery school of of Dalton. Could be the mastery school of of anything. Is that they commit to a no less than 25% of all of their seats being full scholarship seats for the for the kids in the city they're serving. Um, that's kind of a, a a given. We think this is an opportunity to rethink the business model side of schools as well. And by starting, and there's ways to create some efficiencies in this kind of learning model that allow us to kind of, you know, discount at least a quarter and maybe a, a, a third of the seats right out of the gate if it's a private school. If it's um, obviously a public school, then it really is about um, making sure that it's accessible to the range of learners within that school um, because all sure. kids benefit from... setting up those systems and structures from the onset, especially what I know, you know, about MTC and the different schools and organizations that are working there, by design, you are creating those pathways and options for how it can work in different settings, at least from what I can tell. That's the idea, and that's the hope. Um, you know, a few years ago... 
you know, I my last my my last son graduated from Hawken, and I had been here for over a decade. And I said to the board, you know, I'm really thrilled and proud of what we're doing, but the school's in great shape. It's if you know, I'm not sure Hawken needs me that much to be successful into the future, but. We've turned our faculty into a group that loves to innovate and loves, and you seem to be a board that has the courage to let us do that. And we seem to have parents who are tolerant of trying new things. That's kind of an interesting alchemy. If you're interested, I'll stick around for a while um, and keep building models. Uh, but I'm more interested in actually building models that all students can use than just the students at Hawken. Um, and so. I asked the board to talk about it and decide if they wanted me to stay around for a while or just a little while, and they came back and said, "No, we we want to we want to we want to see you and your team build models that you know serve the Hawking kids well, but also might be useful to the rest of the educational industry." So I, I have a kind of privileged position in that I'm able to to lead teams of people to do somewhat different things with full board support, which is is not necessarily a given at, at independent schools. Right. There's a whole different setup and structure there. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the the redesigning high school. So the new, is that kind of the new project, if you will? No, the redesigning high school website is the place where we're telling the story of our journey. Um, so in other words, if you're going to do a new high school, a new ideal high school, um, and you hope that along the way what you build might have value at the back end, it's good to sort of show the journey. Um, and it creates this kind of historical record that will do, I think, two things, I hope. One is show the successes and failures. When we get something wrong, we're going to, you know, we'll blog about it. We'll put a video together saying, hey, you might be tempted to try this. We did. It doesn't work. <laughs> so don't, right. don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> or think hard about it. Uh, and I also think that what it does is it is it puts an onus on our faculty and um, to be able to articulate really clearly what they're doing, how they're doing it, and how they're going to refine and adjust it over time. Um, and I think having to tell the story of your work while you're doing it is, I think, deepens the work. And so I think we'll produce a better high school when we're done. I think we'll have a nice historical record of the journey so that if other schools want to kind of join uh, or do something comparable they can have that and then i then i also think you know we want teammates we want other schools we'd love to see someday a, a network of schools that have satellite um high schools um and you don't need a new campus we were fortunate and that we could do that here all you need is a wing of a building or some classrooms. It doesn't require yep. any physical plant investment. It just requires a group of discrete faculty who want to teach differently and a group of volunteer students whose parents are signing off on doing school very differently um, and access to real-world problems and experts in the world. So it's probably going to be a challenging thing to do in a in a super rural district, um, you know, where there's maybe not enough people around to put but that's not even a given. But any place there are people with problems, um, you can organize, I believe, you can organize a high school around the work to solve those problems. And meanwhile, you can pick the problems that tend to align with certain things you'd want to learn in different disciplines, problems in, in STEM, problems in humanities, problems in in the community, arts, yeah. community development, in, in social-emotional growth, all the learning objectives. You can find problems that, in order to solve them, students have to grow in the direction you want them to grow. Um, 
and and that's really the whole idea is that I, we believe kids actually I believe mammals are wired to work in an apprenticeship model where they're given work to do in proximity to a more knowledgeable person and I think right. kids love to solve problems they love to feel like hey uh, I could I could actually help somebody I could actually fix something I could actually contribute something to the world the other part of our mastery school curriculum we're super excited about and we haven't built this yet but um, is we're going to have a wayfinding curriculum a program a four-year program to help kids figure out what is the sweet spot between what I can be good at what I really love and what the world might need from me um, and 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 yeah. because I think when kids have a sense of purpose and and a sense of impact, when they develop that at an earlier age, their first of all their pathways moving forward start to become clearer to them, and then secondarily, um, they go deeper into everything. When you go to school um, or or to solve a problem, but you have a sense of purpose, you. People will work extraordinarily hard when they're when the work is aligned with their purpose. In the absence of a sense of purpose, sometimes it's just playing school. Like, well, this is what the adults want me to do. This is what school is supposed to be about. So I, we think that combination of authentic real-world problems with authentic humans who are re- re- relying on you to solve their problems crossed with uh, a support process and curriculum around figuring out who you are, what you're good at, and why you could matter – that combo, we hope, is going to be really powerful. Um, and we think grades and traditional assessment would get in the way of that, which is why there won't be any grades in this high school. It'll be mastery assessed instead. Sure. And then all of the things you described also naturally combat engagement, the, yes. like the lack of engagement, if you will. People yep. say, well, you know, I talk to a lot of high schools and understandably they're in a traditional system and they're saying we need to get graduation rates we need to get you know dropout rates are so high and how do we fight this we need to get student engagement up i'm like well let's think about what you're doing to engage students and and what are you doing on to students to prevent them from wanting to show up if you give them if they're doing something of interest and want to be engaged they're going to be there right that's just that's not that's Absolutely. A plethora of other reasons that would withhold someone from showing up, of course. And, you know, um, that is not to trivialize those reasons. However, generally speaking, we will get more kids in the door if they feel like they're doing something of value, purpose, for sure, and and are contributing. So I am with you. And that goes for students who are in a private, independent, affluent school, right down to, you know, um, someone who doesn't have as many resources readily available. Um, because yeah. it helps them wayfind, right? Wayfind my way through this community, Absolutely. build my social capital, uh, yeah. all of those things if done well. Yep. Yeah, it also allows kids who have a set of skills that are not insignificant have those skills recognized. The mastery transcript allows us to credit more than just the traditional stuff. And the problem with modern assessment is that it's become over time super reductionist. And partially it's reductionist because in order to win a multi-billion dollar standardized testing contract with the state, you have to have high levels of reliability and validity. And one of the easiest ways to get reliability is don't measure very much. Um, if you don't measure a very wide range of stuff, you right. can have a pretty reliable vote. So, so this competition to earn all this sort of testing money um, has made the tests super narrow on average, um, which means that the curriculum and the teaching gets directed to that tiny little niche. Well, if you're a kid who fits comfortably in that niche, it's not necessarily such a terrible thing, but since there's a lot of humanity whose gifts and talents aren't living in that trench, they get 
made to feel like they're broken or they they're not useful um or they're not, uh, and and that's just throwing away both hope and talent in ways that are just impossible to watch um sure and, unleashed potential that we're we're just wasting i mean it's incredible yeah, if you no, were to look at you or me in our job today and you were if i were to take a test or do something that were to measure my output right. or measure what i do I, you my value would not be there oh absolutely How, it would not you know, if you uh, right now, then if someone said, I, I, actually a few days ago, somebody was trying to say, well, what does a head of school do? And I said, well, I could give you the 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 kind of formal job description. In the in short, I, I solve complex problems so that the faculty can teach kids. That's what I do. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> by the time a problem ends up in my office, a whole bunch of people try to figure it out, and we can't figure it out. So so you know. If you think about, you know, if when I was 23, you said, hey, you're going to spend your life being an academic administrator. I would have said, wow, you know, why am I being punished? Um, but if you said, hey, would you like to have a career where you solve really complex problems? And if you get it right, you can really help kids be their best full self. That sounds more interesting. So, uh, so helping kids figure out that there's a lot of places in the world that look boring, but if you get deep into the problems underneath them, it's a pretty, it might be pretty interesting. And by the way, you might already have some skills you don't even know you have, or you might have some you're able to build pretty quickly that you haven't been able to show off in school. Um, one of the examples that I use is imagine a, a kid in a, in a super challenging neighborhood in a, in, uh, in, you know, in a school that is serving mostly socioeconomically um, challenged kids, the kinds of decision-making and judgment they make in some cases just to get to school and back safely sure. is extraordinary. Uh, but we don't measure that. We don't give them credit for mm-hmm. it. We don't say, wow, you mm-hmm. make really good judgment in real time and you can navigate complexity and danger like very few people. Uh, we, we, we just... Instead, we make them, you know, do math worksheets, and if they get bored and and tune out, we punish them with grades um, and or low test scores. Or they're late by two minutes. Right. If they're late by two minutes, then we and, sure. And then we wonder why there's no engagement and why they don't really want to persist to college. It's it's um, and so I, you know, we know anybody who's around kids knows that they're all inherently interested in learning. And they're all capable of learning in different ways and at different paces. But there, there's, you know, so if it's not happening, it's usually a systems problem. It's not, and and in most places I've ever seen, the teachers are trying. The teachers are doing the best they can with the system they have yep, to work with. What within. they have in the system they're right. in, yeah. So if it's a systems problem, the the contribution a school like mine can make because we're independent is we can play outside the system first. Um, cause if I can talk our parents and our faculty into doing it, we can, and we don't break the laws of the state of Ohio, we have the latitude to do it. So I think our, my hope is that my colleagues in our little sector of education will use their independence for, to be, you know, to be test kitchens. Um, and, and we can afford some failures and we can afford some, some setbacks, but if we get and if we build anything of value, my hope is that we can help all of we can help kids everywhere with some pieces and parts of the stuff we build. Um, you know, I'm not I was never that interested in, you know, just um, helping kids who probably would have been fine without us go farther. Um, 
you know, schools like mine do a lot of good. We have, you know, 50% of our kids receive some financial support, and we have the largest aid budget of any private school in the state of Ohio. Both, and So it's we don't just serve privileged kids, economically privileged kids. We serve quite a few kids who aren't, actually. But even the kids on full scholarship at my school are privileged by the nature of the resources our, our school can bear right. towards their education. So if schools like mine that do have privilege and that do have flexibility don't do something about this model. Well, and some might not, but we can still we can still hope um, or at least put it there and make it available so that you can try or try in pockets. Like you said, try, try it as um, my colleague would say, try it in the library after school, try it in before, try it somewhere, right? Try something. Yeah, pilot it. Pilot it someplace safe. You know, if, you, if you're too afraid to use the mastery transcript, use it in your middle school. Um, parents don't yep. care too much about middle school grades, so try it there first. Um, so I, I, I just, you know, I, most of the educators, I mean, your whole, I mean, if as, as I read all the content and getting smart, it is about educational innovation, reform, growth, and it's largely in the direction of moving away from some of the, the, the historically inherited structures that don't seem to be working. So people yeah. know that we need new models and new systems, but... Um, we let, you know, a lot of other things get in the way. A big thanks to Scott for taking time to talk about MTC and the Mastery School of Hawken. We enjoy exploring topics of school redesign and contribution with dedicated school leaders like him. We'll be sure to share the Mastery Redesign site and information about MTC in our show notes and on the blog. And as Scott says, let's continue to motivate our students to get out in the world and solve real problems. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode, listeners. Just don't forget to leave us a rating and hit subscribe so you're sure to not miss out on any future episodes. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica, signing off.